on this episode of Eager to Know, the importance of curiosity and how learning something new is more than just practice. We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McGeckron, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. This summer, I traveled back home to New England to take a landscape painting class in Old Lyme, Connecticut. I was looking to inject some energy into my art process by doing something new and learning something new. My instructor was perfect and just what I needed. Not only did he paint right beside us students, but his way of providing instruction and guidance was very valuable. His name was Jesus Emmanuel Villarreal, and over the two weeks working together, We got to know each other as artists and people. A couple interesting things I learned about Jesus was that first, his father was an artist, so he grew up with art being presented as a noble and valid pursuit. The other was that Jesus started formal drawing and painting training rather young, 15 years old, and continued this consistently for the next 10 years. I was being guided by someone with a lot of experience, training, and skill. I was obviously very happy when he agreed to speak with me and be part of Eager to Know, and I'm excited to share our conversation with you all. So you and I have been um, hanging out for the last week and a half because I'm here in Connecticut taking a class and you are my instructor. So we've talked a lot. Um, and I know that you um, you know, you were interested in art as a kid. Um, a, you know, that's very common for children to be interested and be passionate about art. But at some point, most people are no longer snap pa- out of it. <laughs> they snap out of it. And I'm not really sure why that happens, but that didn't happen for you. Um, you know, I think the fact that your dad was an artist could, uh, could have affected it, but you, um, you were pretty engaged in. This is still alive, by the way. My What's dad, that? My dad is still alive. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, he, uh, you were pretty engaged in pursuing art in that I know you went to a magnet high school and then you went to art school and you just had a lot of training starting at, I think about the age of 15. 15. Yeah, 15 okay. years old. That's when I seriously started because as a kid and everybody, including Picasso, would say, you know, everybody is an artist, like every kid is an artist, you know, and then they, for some reason... They, they teach it not to be. Um, yep. Picasso used to say that, yeah? Um, oh, I, did, I didn't know that, but that has yeah. come up a lot on my podcast. So I'm, that Yeah, concept. and that is very true because I think that the key to creativity is curiosity and impulsivity. You know, those two elements are the ones that end up making you a creative person. And those are very childlike uh, attributes. Exactly. As a child, you're always curious. You're always like, even if they tell you, don't put the finger in the socket, you're going to get electrocuted. You still want to know what it feels like. Yeah. And impulsivity too. And impulsivity, right? And so, um, yeah, I think those elements are very much descriptive of my father. (laughs) And I think that's the reason why he is the way that he is, you know, very creative and impulsive person, you know. Okay, and so and curious and impulsive, and so you obviously were, and then studying art sort of fostered those attributes. Yeah, yeah, monkey see, monkey do. Okay, but um, I don't know if I answered your question. What was the first question that you were asking? Um, that I went to the magnet program, 
and then um, so I guess it, I don't know if I necessarily had a question. I was just throwing out yeah, yeah, yeah. the concept that you were really being trained to be an artist yeah. early, early on. Cause, yeah. cause this is leading to another question. Right. Okay. Yeah. I remember your question too, that I said, I started at 15 years old. Yep. Uh, but I, all I wanted to say was that I always painted and drew as a kid, just like any other kid does. My sisters probably did it even more than I did. I'm yeah. better for sure, you know. Um, but then <clears throat> around 15 years old, I think a lot of kids go through it. Like they start thinking, what do I want to do with my life? And at that time, I was spending a lot of time with, with my dad. Um, and I watch him paint. That was one of my favorite, and I say still one of my favorite things to do, to watch somebody paint actually. Um, and I'll just sit behind him and I start thinking, you know, oh, I would do this that way out and I'll probably do it that other way. And then I started giving him or sharing with him those thoughts. And a lot of the times he would take what I said and, and actually apply it, you know, and, and, okay. and he will end up liking it. Um, so, and then it got to a point I, I, I would like, sketch and draw you know sometimes and i will take some of his books i remember the renaissance books were the ones that uh, would attract me like rafael leonardo michelangelo mm -hmm. uh, and i will just try to copy those but it was a mess you know i was trying to copy it with a with, with a pencil and a paper and obviously i was just kind of going through the lines and it just wasn't working okay um and this is around 15 yeah yeah and then 14 turning 15 and then around that time I, I told him dad can you teach me how to draw I want to learn how to draw like for real <laughs> so I remember the first so up until that point you were just a regular kid, kid yeah just playing with art I thought I, I wanted to be a soccer player <laughs> okay and, and the only thing that would set you apart from other kids in that regard would be that you you were watching your dad paint Right. Okay, but you didn't have any other special training or guidance. Nothing. Okay. No, no, so no. then something you I was doing bad in school. Okay. okay. All of it. <laughs> Typical kid. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um so you asked him to to teach yeah, you. Yeah, I asked him to teach me. And so the first and only class with my father was I remember uh in 1999 in the summer of 1999. I remember it clearly. And he grab a banana and not just a yellow banana but one of those bananas that have all the black dots in it okay you know uh and a wine bottle and a little a napkin or something you know and he gave me new sprint pa paper and a charcoal i say well, draw it i'm like okay and I sucked at it, like so bad, you know, so flat and so linear. And I especially remember how can I paint those dots? And I will ask him, okay, how can I draw those dots correctly? And he'll start drawing and he'll come, his will come out, but he wouldn't be able to verbalize what he was doing or the process of it. And that was throwing me off. Mm -hmm. And we both got very frustrated. And, and then he's like, no, I'm just going to call one of one guy that I know will help you. Uh, then he calls this guy, his name was Abdon Romero, he's Abdon Romero. Uh, and he said, I'm gonna call Abdon. And I was like, wait, what? Abdon is here in Miami? We were in Miami, right? I know Abdon because he did 
these murals in Venezuela, in my city from where I'm from, Maracaibo, Venezuela. He did these murals uh, of the history, like I think there were like 10 paintings, huge, huge, huge paintings of the history of the Bible. It was for a priest, for a church. Uh, and I remember seeing those paintings as a kid. Now these paintings are with the realistic uh, um, language yep. in which to paint. And so there you have a very muscular guy, Samson. I remember the painting of Samson breaking the columns of the church. That was one of the paintings that I saw by Abdon in Venezuela when I was, I think, seven, six, seven years old. And you knew that this was who painted it. And you, yeah. knew, and you knew that this was who was going to teach you how Right. To My dad said, well, I'm just going to call him. I'm like, what? <laughs> this guy is here and you want me to learn from him? F yeah, <laughs> you know? So we went to visit him. We found him at Pearl Art Store, which doesn't exist anymore in Miami. That was the main art store to go huge. And he was giving demonstration there, just painting, you know, and people were watching. Uh, and that was his way to attract students, right? Okay. Uh, and my dad says hello to him, and I'm just mesmerized, especially by the smell of oils. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a kid, my dad used to work with oils and love going to the studio because of the smell. And that's actually one of the reasons why I fell in love with being an artist. Just the lifestyle of like, you have to schedule what you want. You know, and my dad will have a pretty regimented schedule in the morning. We both will wake up at five in the morning, go to mass in a little chapel, and then come back to the studio. Well, actually, he will go to the gym and then go back to the studio and start painting the whole day. Okay. And I just love that. And I fell in love with that. And that's why I, I, I was like, oh, I want to learn how to do this and, okay. and be an artist. So I found Abdon. And my dad asked him, oh, can you teach my son in front of me? And he's like, of course, I'll teach him from A to Z, you know? And I remember him bringing up the fact that I was a left-handed. And he's like, oh, so now everything has to be the other way around. The palette, he has to put it the other way around and blah, blah, blah. So I was extremely excited. And I finally go on July 24th, 1999 to my very first class with Abdon. And <clears throat> it was in his living room. And he made me draw a cube, a white cube. Uh, with, with, light, with light on it? Yeah, with a spotlight right, and spotlight. a black background, right? And he's like, draw that. And I mean, give me a, a little demonstration on how to do it and explaining how to go about it. And right away, I connected with him because for some reason, I feel like I have kind of a very logical side of me you know i need to l understand things very one two three four five you mm -hmm. know and he was explaining it in those as terms. a process as a process yeah 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 unlike my dad right uh and so it worked out perfectly i remember having a hard time for the first year to the point that my dad was like you're not doing the homework you're making abdon and me and and yourself waste time you gotta like invest yourself and be committed blah blah so in fact my dad was pushing me to yeah. be better but it's from the get-go it sounds like you were like a typical kid right. who took piano lessons but and isn't thing, practicing. But I, I wasn't practicing not because I didn't want to practice, but because I was sucking at it so hard. <laughs> so that I was just having such a hard time making something look like it was supposed to, right? And it wasn't until like a year after that, oh, I see that I, that I can make this uh, face be alive on my paper and whatever else. Okay. And that took a long time. So going from where 
it sucked to where it didn't suck. It's, it's passable. <laughs> okay, okay. So that took about a year. Mm. How did you, what did you do to go from sucking to passable in a year? I remember spending a lot of time in my dad's studio looking through his books and Abdon's studio looking through his books. So it wasn't just painting, but no. it was also it was so much observation. more than that. It was research in terms of just looking at the paintings that attracted me. And I would ask, what painting should I look at to my dad and to Abdon, right? My two mentors at that time. Um, because I had a, I, I went to the magnet program in high school and I just didn't like the teacher. You know, he was like an 80s illustrator and kind of throwing me towards that direction. And I wanted to go more into the, the fine arts direction. Yeah. Know? <clears throat> and and he was basically looking at books more than anything, reading, but more than reading, <laughs> looking at the pictures, you know, uh, and kind of trying to figure out how it was made. That's kind of what what attracted me the most to the whole situation. It's like, how was this painting or drawing made? It just looks like magic and an apparition here. Like when I see Vermeer, it looks like an apparition, this painting. Yeah. How were they able, are they even human, you know? So... Having those questions and being able to verbalize and converse with my dad and Abdon is basically what got me to, and of course, the practicing it, you know, the practicing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, and I will do it every day. Yeah, okay. I mean, I know, obviously, practice in learning anything, it, you know, it always sucks to begin with, mm -hmm. and practice is important, but it sounds like with you, this fact, like, looking at books is important. I know in our yeah. class, um, we start most of our classes yeah. looking at books and getting inspired. Yeah, I feel and, like a kid every time I see them. Yeah, and I didn't really expect that coming here. Um, but when we started doing it, it made me realize it was it was really helpful. Uh, we also have, in our particular situation, we also have a museum that we were actually looking That's at real paintings. So we, we kind of have everything. But this sort of um, feeds into this idea of... It, when you're learning something new, there's the actual practice, but also getting a lot of information and observing things, examples yeah. of it being done really well. No, definitely. Um, and I know a lot of artists do that, but I just did it intuitively and because I just always loved the library. I, I and During high school, I would go to the library to do my homework and then go back to the studio and start drawing and painting, you know? Um, so yeah, I've always loved that kind of... Um, atmosphere um and it's a great atmosphere to be in right before i start painting i just love it okay good yeah. you have done a lot of training you were in the magnet school you went to art school in baltimore and then you went to florence academy of art um, i know that your dad i don't believe was formally trained is, is that accurate yes <laughs> okay. So what do you, what does he think of you as an artist with all this training? And he just always calling me, asking me for, 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 oh, wait, how do you mix this medium? Or, hey, wait, uh, what, what varnish should I use? So he, he, he loves it because in a way he's getting his, his knowledge too, through what I'm learning. So in a way we, we've learned together. Okay. In many ways. Now, do you think that someone who isn't formally trained, um, their art is obviously going to, well, maybe it's not obvious. Is their art going to evolve differently? I think so. I think so. Uh, sometimes I think, oh, maybe it's like now, especially uh, 
sometimes I think it's better not to have too much training, but I think it just depends on the type of person that you are. Uh, I think that for me, uh, I'm the type of person that I need to think things through before I go ahead and, and do it. Yeah. Whereas my dad is so much more like, oh, that's cool, boom, and jumps on it, you know? Impulsive. Yeah, there you go. So I kind of had to like study it from afar before I jump in it. Uh, the bad thing about that is that perhaps it's a little bit harder to find yourself amongst all of this knowledge. Because like a teacher of mine said to me, we start seeing the world through our hero's eyes until we can see it through our own. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the more I think it feels like that for me sometimes, the more that I study, the more that I see others, you know, uh, it's a little bit harder to, okay, where am I in all of this? You see? Absolutely. My that dad said to me something that still sticks in my head, but I don't know if I have achieved it. And he said, learn, learn, learn as much as you possibly can and then forget it all. And then forget it all. And so I'm right now in that try in that process of attempting to quote unquote forget it all, to kind of paint without anything in your mind, without any filter, without any other paintings in your mind, without any other painters in your mind, but rather paint that picture that you are doing at that particular moment in that now, and as if it was the only painted painted in the world. That's the goal. And is that hard for you to do? <clears throat> no. I mean, sometimes it is m more than others, obviously. Sometimes I need to make a conscious effort to, like, forget or not look at books. I, and I actually had a period where I was not, actually recently, that I wasn't looking at any books or any artists or any anything. Kind of forget about it all or try to. Um, but I think that the, my most successful work is the one when I do that or when that has been done successfully to paint with a quiet mind and open to nature in front of you. Okay. That makes sense? That makes total sense. Uh, but it makes me think that it, it confirms my opinion that so painting thoughts. is really this big mental, it's a big mental game. It's a labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, it's really a mental challenge, I, I feel. Like I'm, obviously there's technique and skill and practice and all of this, but a huge part of it is yeah. just a mental and getting your play, getting your brain in the right place, or like you said, tr blocking everything out and um, and paying attention to things. And this is going to go into another part of the next part of the conversation. But in really concentrating on w what nature is presenting to you, yeah. and you have to have your antenna or whatever they are receptors, compl receptors yeah. completely paying attention yeah. to what that is yeah and one has to be completely noble in front of nature yeah and open like a new empty tupperware <laughs> and just let it all come and you just basically trying to uh take like as i said to you earlier this week you know take dictation from nature as if you're trying to write down what it, what it is that is telling you. And the beautiful thing, and I think the art happens when that shows through your work, through the painting, but also your state of mind or your state of being or your emotionality. That combination is what I think make great work, you know? I agree with you. That's why I like paintings that are 
very painterly. Like you can see mm -hmm. the painter coming through. Exactly. And that's why I don't, I, I prefer things that are more fluid and loose um, as opposed to really, f tight, um, yeah. you know, tight, tight, mm -hmm. hyper. For lack of a better word, tight. Yeah, tight, yeah, tight hyper realistic paintings um, doesn't excite me as much as someone yeah. who you can actually see the hand, the hand or yeah. the brush, the stroke, or yeah. you can see part of of the painter yeah. coming through. So observing the world with that level of intensity, or I think, what did you say, receptors? Yeah. Is that what you said? Yeah, uh, re receptors. Are you, do you ever do photography? I never really okay. got fond of it. So no. in photography, there's something called ISO, which is the sensitivity yes. of the film. Definitely. So when you're painting, your ISO is at super, super, super sensitive. Yeah. And you kind of have to block everything out and you have to pay attention th to things um, in a way that how they really are. So for instance, if you're looking at an object, you're no longer looking at the shape of the outline of the object. You're actually looking at the shape, the light, et cetera. Right. So I'm assuming that that type of training started for you when you went to the magnet school? No, no, no that started that was through when? Abdon. I really learned everything from my dad, Abdon, a few teachers in, in Micah. Micah is the Maryland Institute College of Art, uh, the university I went to, and in Florence, at the Florence okay. Academy. You've been viewing the world in that way. In uh, shapes and lights. In shapes <laughs> and light for a long time. Yeah, 20 years, exactly. So what do you think that has done to how you view the world? And I don't necessarily mean how you view the world with your eyes, but because, for instance, I went to college for engineering. Mm. So I was studying calculus, chemistry, and physics for four years. That changed, that like rewired my brain that has carried with me permanently yeah. in terms of how I view problems, how I view situations, yeah. how I view reality. So yeah. when you're looking at the, you know, what we just looking at shapes and values, I mean, does that affect you, do you think, in any way? I'm sure. I'm sure I never thought about it directly like that, uh, but I'm pretty sure, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I'm sure it has made me realize that things are not necessarily what they seem to be. Yeah, right? that so makes that's sense. a big one. I mean, not forcing, but yeah, yeah, like you said, seeing the world in, in terms of, of, of light and shapes and stuff. I'm doing that. It's a, it's a very abstract process. So I suppose I end up doing that with a lot of other things, right? Like when I get to know somebody, you know, for example, I... Yes, I love a superficial connection, sure. But I'm always looking for the meat of it, like what makes you tick? Who are you? Why Why did you do the things you do the way you do? And so it's sort of like reverse engineering. I, I, I tend to do that with a lot of things, with people, with uh, buildings, with everything, you know? And I think it comes from that training, from the training of shapes and so problem solving and like, Wait a second, why is that the way it is? That's something that I definitely have uh, too much of, I think. It's like I'm always questioning everything to the point that I don't really need to, you know? And sometimes you have driven me a little bit crazy, I'm not gonna lie. And I'm definitely always very insistent, perhaps, you know, in things that I shouldn't be so insistent about. And perhaps it's because of that too, right? Because the training I had, all my teachers I had, they always 
encouraged me not to rush the drawing, not to rush the painting, to really meditate in front of what you're looking at, you know. Or, uh, and with problems in life, with relationships of people, you know. I tend to sometimes stick for uh, around it for too long, <laughs> more than I actually need, and perhaps it's because of that, these trainings, I suppose, you know, for this so you're thinking. So you're, over, you're overly loyal. <laughs> Maybe sometimes, perhaps, yes. <laughs> yeah. So would you consider yourself as a person, a creative person? I don't know. I guess, yeah, I suppose. I never really care about the title. Uh, I had a hard time calling myself an artist for the longest time, you know. I would always say I'm a painter. Now I just don't care, you know, what definition. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I guess sure. I guess what I'm wondering is I because more of I, a problem solver. That, that yes. So that's what I mean. That's because more accurate, be, maybe. Because I interview people on the subtitle of my podcast is Conversations with the Creative Leaning. And yeah. that doesn't necessarily mean you're you're an artist. Right. Because I interview people that um they are creative in the way that they build their businesses that mm. they've they can vi envision something and then they can create it yeah. and or they can solve problems in unique ways that are outside of the norm so i guess that's what i'm asking more mm. as obviously i know that you can create a painting right. but as a person on this yeah. world with you know uh, yeah i mean i think so because in order to make it as far as i've made it so far I had to be creative, <laughs> you know, how to live as a painter nowadays, you know. Uh, yeah, you got to use your creativity to find out how to put food on the table and stuff like that. So, yeah, to answer your question, yes, I am a creative person. <laughs> okay, good. So in addition to being an artist, you are also obviously a teacher because that's how I met you. I'm here taking your class. And I know that you had mentioned that teaching is something that is actually beneficial as an artist can you tell me about yeah. that well because i think it clears up the the basics of what you're doing in the in this case painting and drawing um so you're always having to revise the process and that process changes as an artist and so sometimes i uh, share those changes with the students sometimes I just keep it very traditional and basic, you know. But yeah, because of that you're always having to be on your on your on your toes, so to speak, you know. Because when you have a student asking you questions, in a way you have to be alert and you have to know your your thing, you know. Uh just like for example in anatomy when I go and teach the figure next two weeks, um here in at the Lime Academy, I, I will be having to know my muscles and all of that again you know my anatomy um and also it sharpens your eye too because you're having to critique somebody and some but sometimes you get very advanced students the more advanced they are the harder it is to see the mistakes and what they need to fix and so it definitely helps and it sharpens my eye and also because you have to give demonstrations and whatever you gotta really sharpen your tools and how to become efficient in painting as well or drawing um, but yeah i i really really like it i've always liked it since i started in 2008 officially you've always enjoyed teaching yeah very much yeah. Well, i think you're a great teacher thank you you're very welcome i mean that's why i was supposed to be here for a week 
but I ended up staying a second week because I felt Thank like your guidance was really valuable. Thank you. You're very yeah, welcome. it's just that I remember having a lot of questions as a, a, a as a young student, and different teachers would not give me the straight answer because, and I think it happens a lot with artists, uh, you know, art teachers. They're so abstract in their thinking that when they go ahead and try to explain something, it's just so abstract that it's just not linear and it doesn't make any sense. And I remember that. Um, so when I was finally learning the process on how to do certain things, I'll write it down. And I think that that's what helped me become a better teacher because I'll write it down and then I'll review it and then I'll summarize it again and again and again to make it or boil it down to the simplest thing. Okay. So that simplest thing is in my mind. And so I think doing that is what allowed me to to communicate this back to others and kind of distill it for them in, a, in the most uh, simple way possible. So it's interesting because we talked about in becoming a better painter or drawer, um, you would look at books. So this sounds mm -hmm. like it's kind of like a 360, like there's the actual painting, but then there's you know, doing the research right. and reading books, but then there's also observing people who are painting and, and observe. You Watch mentioned you paint. like watching people paint. Yeah. You like to look at paintings that you admire. And then there's also the teaching. So there's all yeah. this other stuff besides just actually doing the painting yeah. that helps you move things forward. Definitely. And I think that that's really probably applicable to anyone learning anything. Anything, Is yeah. you probably, in addition to just doing that you gotta thing. watch it first you gotta watch it yeah. and then research and it. then if you can teach someone whatever it you is understood it. and that'll and it sounds like that would actually help you yeah. as well yeah absolutely absolutely and some and, and and sometimes too the students inspire me you see because for example with you i see you getting more and more confidence throughout this week uh, painting outside um and that in itself just inspires me whenever I'm having a problem with my painting. I'm like, man, no, I gotta use that courage that my students use, for example, you know? And yeah. so um, it's very, it's like a musician on a concert, right? You get, you feed off that energy as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So are there a couple things, tips, guidelines, ideas that you can share with people that are listening to this that want to be more creative or to engage their artistic skills? Mm, yes. If you get excited about something, go for it at that particular moment right away. Just jump on it. Yes. That's the best advice that I can give for that in specific. Yeah. Like, so for example, if somebody's like, oh my God, I really love this drawing. I want to figure out how to do it because I want to do that too. It's like, jump on it and find the best people and that will lead you to all of this that we talked about i think and best people because i know that having people help you was a big part of you yeah, starting up me, so yeah. you think that's a big part of it well if, again as i said at the beginning for some people because at least if you jump on it like i said first huh, and then you're able to develop just like that then you will stay there and just do it that way like many artists are very self-taught uh but if that's not enough then find the best people um to do it with and and learn from them you know but but yeah i mean always you'd have to find a 
the people that do it best, even if you're not necessarily looking for their teaching, you know, it's always good to be surrounded by people that inspire you, right? So yeah, I would agree. I, I've I've said before that staying connected to other people that yeah. are doing the same thing of, as you yeah. um, is very important yeah. because that's going to encourage you. Now, on the flip side, if you're staying connected with people that are doing the wrong bad things, uh, yeah, they, well, they will lead you down the down the wrong path. Right. Hopefully, but, everybody <laughs> uses their own wisdom, right, to choose. Um, and uh, but and again, it depends because. I'm a realist painter, figurative painter, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but then, if you are an abstract painter or, or or a person that works with collage, you know, like you find the best people that you think for that particular area, and then you try to connect with them, you know. Um, but please go on it on a from a human level, <laughs> because I've had people approach me wanting to oh i want to learn this and so they just start sucking your blood so to speak like a vampire and he's like no not like that okay. <laughs> like how about we're human beings you know like who are you i think that that's always has always been my approach because that's the way i am i approach people because oh i like this person you know i like what they do i like how they are i can i can flow connect with them um and that's how i found like the best help ever okay that makes when sense. i personalize it you see yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So where can people learn more about or see your artwork? On my Instagram, uh, that is at Jesus or Jesus underscore E underscore Villarreal. That is V as in Victor, I-L-L-A-R-R-E-A-L. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast.